pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. Erythromyalgia, or EM, is rare and can be a devastating condition. It only affects two to 500 people in North America and a few thousand worldwide. It's a disorder of the nerves and tiny blood vessels of the body. EM primarily affects adults, but young children have been reported to have the genetic form of this condition. It typically affects the feet or hands or both and causes visible redness as well as sensations of intense heat and burning pain. Some have described this condition as having their nerves on fire or feeling like they're burning alive. We'll hear Diana Zack and Kate Conklin share their personal experiences of overcoming erythromyalgia, followed by an insightful discussion about the genetic revolution and how it may lead to a treatment for EM with Dr. Stephen Waxman. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Mylan Pharmaceuticals, Purdue Pharma, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Horizon Pharma, Pentec Health, Boston Scientific, and Optimal Pain Control. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. If you have any questions or comments for Dr. Christo, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. Diana Zach has suffered from EM for several years. Her feet turn bright red, and she experiences a deep burning pain that's triggered by things that we would take for granted, like wearing shoes or socks. Diana has become a successful self-advocate, though, and she's here to tell us how she's gained mastery over this condition. Diana, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. What's it like to live with erythromyalgia? It's a side effect of my neuropathy, and it's a condition in which my feet, um, according to either heat or pressure, uh, turn bright red. I get a lot of uh, sharp burning pain and they become very hot. Diana, take us back to your first experience with EM. Kind of got kind of scared. I didn't know what was happening, but I started to get a very sharp pain in, in um, both of my feet, and I uh, took my shoes off, and my feet were literally bright red, um, burning hot to the touch, um, swollen, and I wasn't really sure what was happening with them. That does sound pretty scary. Uh, Diana, what triggers the symptoms? For me, the primary trigger is heat. I definitely notice that once the temperature starts hitting 70, I definitely get more episodes of this. Sometimes if I feel like I'm very stressed or sometimes even just shoes, the pressure from the shoes, because like your feet get heated when your feet are in the shoes, that can start it up for me, but definitely the heat. And how long are the episodes? I mean, minutes, days, weeks? Mine are usually maybe five, 10 minutes to like maybe the longest I've had it is about two hours. 
I mean, it seems like it's hard to avoid these triggers during the course of daily living. That, that's true, but I do try to work around it. I've really found that that's the key. I do try to just stay in a cooler environment, especially in the summer months. Um, I just wear a, either a flip-flop or an open-toe shoe, something like that, where I'm not you know, putting myself in the situation as much to, to start it as a trigger. In the summertime, I have episodes probably at least a couple times a week. Um, in the winter months, not so much, but it's nothing you could really, you know, set a watch to. It just kind of comes on on its own. When you experience one of these blistering bouts of inflammation, well, you know, some people have resorted to storing their shoes in freezers or, or walking barefoot in the snow or even putting their feet in a toilet. What do you do? I put my feet up because that seems to help a lot. I try to put the fan on or make sure maybe even cool the room even more. I usually take an aspirin anyway because that's supposed to help to avoid the episodes. I do meditate and just try to close my eyes and relax. And actually I put a lot of music on my iPod and just try to uh, lay down and just concentrate on that. I just try to remove my mind from it and just kind of work through it. I'm really glad that works for you. And in fact, Diana, you illustrate the power of integrative therapies like meditation, relaxation, and music. And in fact, we did a show on the pain-relieving effects of music called Audio Analgesia, available at www.paulcristomd.com. And by the way, how much relief does music provide? Oh, a lot. I would say, you know, if I put my mind somewhere else, I can probably get rid of half the pain. You said before that uh, erythromyalgia is almost akin to burning alive, that your feet are that intensely painful. I mean, given that, is there hope for someone who's newly diagnosed with EM? It is a challenge, but I think the key is just adjusting to the symptoms each day. Um, Some days the symptoms are better, some days they're worse. So you really just need to learn for yourself a way to work around it and just try to adapt to it. I know there's research every day, so hopefully, eventually, that'll uh, be a possibility. Diana, thank you so much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Thank you very much. Up next is Kate Conklin, who will also share her own experience of overcoming erythromyalgia. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, the global leader in medical technology alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Mylan Pharmaceuticals, one of the world's leading generic pharmaceutical companies. Discover why at Mylan, quality isn't just a claim, it's a cause we've made personal at seeinsidemylan.com. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. And we're back. Kate Conklin was diagnosed with erythromyalgia, or EM, nine years ago. She was told she'd need to live her life in a wheelchair and abandon the sports she loved to play. Despite the prognosis and severity of her symptoms, Kate triumphed over the pain. She's run marathons, participated in Ironman races, and even made a 12-and-a-half-mile swim around Key West. Kate, welcome to Aches and Gains. Hi. Glad to be here. You have the hereditary form of EM, and how is it diagnosed? They did multiple tests for me, like these blood panels, stuck a needle in my spine, they scraped my tongue, I've had CAT scans, MRIs, um, uh, colonoscopies, laparoscopies, I pretty much have had all the exams at once. Wow, that's a large number of invasive tests. Some patients have described this syndrome as nerves on fire, man on fire, or burning alive. Do those descriptors resonate with you? Yes. That's pretty much the only way to describe the kind of pain. It, it's so painful that it's hard to explain to other people, but the only thing you can really imagine is being set on fire. Because I've had second-degree burns. I burnt myself on a motorcycle, and I didn't even 
feel it compared to the EM pain. <laughs> I don't know if you've, most people have had at least some kind of burn, like even sunburn, and then multiply that times 100 or 1,000. You know, when you get hot or you apply heat to it, it gets worse. There's not much you can do to cool it down. It, it's just it's horrible is the only way to describe it. That sounds unbearable. Kate, will you take us into your body and describe the experience of an attack for us? You would feel this intense burn. It, 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 feels, it really feels like you're dying. You end up with this panic attack. You, you, you don't know what to do. You can't. Sometimes you end up jerking. Sometimes, you know, screaming because of the pain. You, the first thing I do is if I'm wearing any kind of thing on my feet, I just take it off. It's usually just flip-flop, so I'll sit down, put my feet up, get cold water, compress, or, you know, towels, not ice, and just, you know, soak in it or put it on my feet and just pretty much try to ride it out. But in your body, it's just, it's this horrible screaming thing that you just want to get rid of, but it's really hard to fight against or do anything while you're getting this pain. Which parts of your body are most affected? My feet, especially. My hands, too, and my face swells up. I'll gain like at least a shoe size in my foot. I get fever blisters on there and it, my feet are swollen so much and then the sides of my nails will bleed because they're getting pushed out and then, you know, you get blood underneath your nail and it takes, you know, some days or a week for the nail to actually fall off. But I know that when that happens that I'm going to lose that nail. I just don't know how you endure that. Kate, how frequently do you have these attacks? Pretty much it's every day constantly that I have some sort of burning. And Kate, has it been that way since you were first diagnosed? It was, it was horrible because um, I was pretty much in bed for nine months. I was just screaming, crying, you know, desperately hoping that someone could help me. And it was a really low point in my time because I didn't have any hope. The doctor told me I wouldn't be able to do the things that I love, such as exercising or let alone be out of a wheelchair. You know, it, they said that I'd pretty much be homebound, probably wheelchair-bound, addicted to you know, medications that don't help that much. And and my whole life was pretty much shattered, in my opinion. Apparently, I highly upset my family because I was suicidal. Um, and they were worried that any day now would be my last because of the pain. And, you know, it's really heartbreaking. Now that I'm a mom, <laughs> it's got to be really heartbreaking to see your daughter go through this much pain. Absolutely. You know, I think it's heartbreaking for anybody, and parents especially, to see loved ones in pain. What were you doing to try to control the pain at that time? I was on a lot of medication, trying different things, and apparently, I don't know, one was just too intense for me, um, that I tried to actually cut off my own feet. <laughs> my mom stopped me. <laughs> and when you have this much pain, you're desperate to try anything. And I see it on the forums a lot, or I see people are so desperate they're willing to try these crazy treatments that might be you know, more detrimental to them. But you, you're willing to try anything to try to get out of this pain. You're absolutely right. And I have patients who feel just as desperate. I know that you tried some therapies that have been partially successful for you, like uh, gabapentin or Neurontin, the lidocaine patch, and amitriptyline, which is an antidepressant. But which treatments have been really the most successful for you? Acupuncture, I think, can be helpful if you, as long as they don't put it in your feet or hands. It didn't really help me, but some people have tried success. Hypnosis which is basically how I survive EM. I was already doing it for myself. It just gave me a couple more maybe techniques. You really much have to accept that it's just there and deal with it and almost embrace it to really 
be able to do anything with it because it really hurts. This kind of pain, you don't want to do anything. You just want, I, I would wish Minnie and I should just die because this pain was so bad. It's really hard to do anything with it. I've tried lymphatic drainage massage. It actually helped reduce some of the swelling in my feet. So I recommend trying that. You know, yet, Kate, you're really an inspiration for anybody living with pain. How do you do it? It really took many years. And that's what people don't understand is they ask me, like, what, you know, how do you do this? How do you do what you do with arithmetic? How do you run a marathon? How do you do an Ironman? How are you swimming? How do you do anything besides daily life? And for me, I found that I was in pain when I was sitting down. I was in pain in bed. But when I'm sitting still, I notice the pain more and I feel the pain more. So when I was out you know, for a walk or swimming or Pilates or whatever I was doing, I don't know, it made me feel more free or more alive again. That I think it, the benefit, but don't get me wrong, when I was done with my work, I'd come back and have to suffer through a flare for hours that people don't see. And what's remarkable, though, is that you've been able to participate in an Ironman and run marathons. Marathon and Ironman, I raced in sandals. Like, even on the bike, I had clip-in clip sandals because I couldn't wear anything close because the heat produced would just be so, you sit there and be so much more pain. So. <laughs> and finally, what would you say to somebody newly diagnosed with erythromyalgia? You don't think you're going to make it. But I want them to know that there's always hope that, you know, to try the different treatments. Try to find something that works for them. Try not to lose hope. Try to find something that you could do that you used to love to do. Once you cut out everything that you used to love, even if it's just talking with your friends, it really puts you in a lonely place and without hope. It really makes it harder to deal with the pain. Those are really empowering words. For more information on erythromyalgia, you can go to the Erythromyalgia Association, www.burningfeet.org. Kate, thank you very much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Well, thanks for having me. When we continue, we'll talk to Dr. Stephen Waxman, who will provide cutting-edge information about erythromyalgia. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. Horizon Pharma, a biopharmaceutical company that develops and commercializes innovative medicines to target unmet therapeutic needs in arthritis, pain, and inflammatory diseases. Pentech Health, one of the nation's largest pharmacy and nursing companies dedicated solely to providing in-home care for patients with implanted pumps used for the treatment of severe pain or spasticity. And we're back. Dr. Stephen Waxman is a professor of neurology, neurobiology, and pharmacology, as well as the director of the Center for Neuroscience and Regeneration and Neurorehabilitation Research at the Yale University School of Medicine and the Veterans Administration, Connecticut. He and his research team helped clarify how a genetic mutation has led to the hereditary form of erythromyalgia. Dr. Waxman, welcome to Aches and Gains. Good to speak with you. Let's begin by talking a little bit about the genomic revolution. We are uh, in, in the fortunate position of having new and very exciting tools, and we can use them to dissect human disease. And the thing about these tools is that they allow us to go gene by gene uh, looking for the culprit molecules that cause or, or contribute to any disease that, that interests us. And I work on molecules called sodium channels, and they contain 1,800 amino acids strung together like a string of beads. 
and sometimes if one bead, one out of 1800 is, is wrong, it will cause disease. And these uh, new molecular methods allow us to uh, very precisely uh, identify the beads, identify the order in which they're strung together. Uh, and so this is almost unprecedented uh, precision for our research. It really is incredible. And in fact, I'm wondering whether the genomic or the molecular revolution uh, has given us great promise for those suffering from disorders like erythromyalgia. I don't like to overpromise because I'm very conservative, but these are very powerful tools. Uh, and in the case of a disorder like erythromyalgia, where we've been in the unusual and very exciting position of identifying a single a uh, very well-defined culprit mo- molecule, uh, that means we're positioned in as good a place as possible to develop uh, new and more effective therapies. So I'm very excited about the future. Me too. I think that's extremely encouraging. Uh, Dr. Waxman, what is erythromyalgia? I mean, uh, is it a disease of nerves? Is it a disease of blood vessels or the vasculature? I, I can give you a definitive answer in terms of inherited erythromyalgia. Uh, and it is a disease that involves uh, nerves and also uh, involves control of the vasculature, but it's driven by a mutation uh, that causes overactivity of certain molecules, sodium channels, within pain-signaling nerve cells and the nerve cells that control a vasculature. So in terms of causation, Uh, it begins as a neurological disorder. Steve, tell us about the different categories of EM. We have primary erythromyalgia. Uh, That's erythromyalgia that doesn't occur uh, with with a known cause. And then we have secondary erythromyalgia. That's erythromyalgia uh, that occurs secondary to some other uh, medical condition, uh, diabetes or a uh, collagen vascular disorder like uh, lupus. Uh, There are uh, other forms of erythromyalgia that occur in patients who have myeloproliferative disease, diseases of of, of the blood system. And those particular cases respond uh, very strikingly uh, to treatment with with aspirin. Within the primary erythromyalgia, uh, we now know that uh, uh, a good number of them are inherited uh, and they're due to genetic uh, mutations. When we come back, we'll talk to Dr. Waxman about the purpose of a sodium channel and how defective ones can lead to EM. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Optimal Pain Control by Franklin Pharmacy, a state-of-the-art compounding pharmacy that provides alternatives to oral pain medications. Contact us toll-free at 888-482-482. 3972. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Welcome back. Uh, Dr. Waxman, will you explain the purpose of a sodium channel and how a defective sodium channel can lead to erythromyalgia? Sodium channels function as tiny molecular batteries. Uh, They're single molecules They're present in the membranes of nerve cells, also in muscle cells, uh, also in heart cells. These tiny molecular batteries allow nerve cells, muscle cells, heart cells to generate electrical impulses. Uh, That's how our nervous system works. Our brains and spinal cords uh, are the world's most complex computer. 
and uh, uh, the nerve cells talk to each other by producing tiny electrical impulses, and those impulses are produced by sodium channels. And different types of nerve cells contain different types of sodium channels. And it's those different types of sodium channels that are the basis for uh, for a lot of pain research. Uh, Steve, we've heard our first, our, our previous guests both describe that they feel like they're burning alive from erythromyalgia. What's causing that horrific sensation? Uh, we know that the burning sensation is caused by inappropriate high-frequency firing impulses produced in heat sensors, our burn sensors, even when there's nothing uh, that, that, that really should cause them to fire at high frequency. So these cells, in response to mild warmth, should go bup, bup, bup. But in a person with inherited erythromyalgia, they go brrrr. They fire inappropriately, saying that something very hot has burned me, and they send that message into the spinal cord and up to the brain. That's why people with erythromyalgia feel like they're on fire. That's a great explanation. So really, then, if sodium channels don't function correctly, they can produce hyperexcitable neurons, if you will, that can lead to pain conditions like diabetic peripheral neuropathy or, or the pain of diabetes. Dr. Waxman, if your mom or dad suffers from this inherited form of erythromyalgia, how likely is it that you as a child might develop it? Uh, they have a 50% chance of passing that disease on to any of their children. That's pretty high. Uh, you know, Steve, I'm aware that the pharmaceutical and biotech industries are involved in developing therapies, though, that will specifically target this sodium channel, or the NAV1.7 sodium channel, to treat erythromyalgia and other painful conditions. What uh, is the timeline, or where are they in the process? Fifteen years ago, if uh, you had told the pain research community that we will understand in precise detail, we know, we know each molecule, we know the genes involved, uh, the causation of a human pain syndrome like EM, uh, they would have said you're crazy. And here we are today in the year 2012. Progress has been immensely rapid. Uh, so my hope uh, is that uh, uh, things will progress from the laboratory uh, into the uh, clinical domain uh, relatively quickly. Uh, my hope is that sometime in the next three, five, seven, ten years, uh, we will start to see introduction into the clinical marketplace, the societal marketplace, of new and novel and much more effective therapies. That's really great to hear. Steve, if there is a specific sodium channel blocker that's developed that can treat EM, what are the potential side effects? Uh, the channel is also present in our olfactory sensory neurons. These are neurons that project to the nose and that allow us to smell. And we do expect that uh, therapy with a 1.7 sodium channel blocker may impair the sense of smell. For patients who have severe pain, uh, this will be uh, an acceptable trade-off. Uh, they certainly don't want to uh, miss the burning toast and things of that sort. Uh, uh, and so as uh, human studies go on, this is a challenge that will need to be very carefully thought about. Yes, and we should also remember that these sodium channels exist in the autonomic nervous system as well. So side effects such as decrease in blood pressure, dizziness, and blurred vision will have to be monitored. And, and finally, Steve, will there be a time when we can transfer a healthy gene into somebody with EM that will correct the problem? <laughs> uh, what I can tell you is that in the laboratory, 
we're working on that approach right now. Since we know uh, where the gene error is, it seems like a reasonable goal. And, and so here in the lab, we have a team of people working on it, and uh, we think about this uh, type of thing 24-7. That's terrific. Dr. Waxman, thank you so much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Good to speak with you. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Mylan Pharmaceuticals, Purdue Pharma, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Horizon Pharma, Pentech Health, Boston Scientific, and Optimal Pain Control. Follow us on Twitter at DRPaulCristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.